Welcome in to Please Bear With Me. What a fun game that was on Saturday. I had an absolute blast inside of McLean Stadium. Back at it again for this season. We've got a big one, a big one coming up this weekend. So I'm glad you've tuned in. We're going to get you ready for it. We're going to talk that game recap. We have a 12-team college football playoff on our hands, so we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Then Jerem Jordan, co-host of BYU Sports Nation, is here to talk BYU football. And then finally, bare necessities for this weekend. So here we go. Please bear with me. Welcome in, everyone, to Please Bear With Me. I'm your host, Travis Corley, and we have a full show for you today, so let's just get it going. Before we hit this game recap, we have some huge news in regards to college football, and that is there will be a 12-team playoff expanding from four teams. And right now it's looking like, I think, 2026, but it could happen sooner. Could happen a lot sooner. Hope it does happen sooner. So that is crazy huge news for college football fans everywhere. And our very own Dave Aranda. Yes, that's right. Mr. Dave Aranda was asked about the 12-team playoff in his Monday press conference which brings me to one of my favorite segments where we talk about what Dave talked about. Put on your boots, let's out dance. Dave Aranda had a press conference. Let's say howdy and yeehaw. Dave Aranda's gonna talk football. Dave's gonna talk football. And now here's Dave Aranda with his thoughts on the 12-team playoff. I think it's good for the sport. I think people, um, you know, there's always questions about, you know, I think once that shows up, if you look from a big perspective, I think you immediately go, like, what what happens to bowl games? You know, do bowl games lose their importance? I think there's already kind of a, a um, um, you could probably make that argument now, that that's already happening now. And so with with this does does bowl games really become an afterthought um and so i I have to imagine there's people that are working all that out in terms of solutions for that but i think having the opportunity uh no matter where you're at uh to have a shot to get in and compete i think will be way cool for the sport and i think it's needed so yeah i i'm really happy to hear that uh coach aranda is excited for the 12-team playoff, that he's for the 12-team playoff. Um, That just further makes me feel good about liking the 12-team playoff. And I I agree with his statement about the bowl games. I I think they're becoming less and less important. And yes, yes, he's right. With the 12-team playoff, they become less important. So it, it will be interesting to see what college football does to create a buzz and excitement around those other bowl games now. Um, Because, yeah, I I do think they will become less important and less exciting. And we've already seen tons of players not play in bowl games um, because they're going to the NFL, which is is fine. It's it's their decision. Um, But now with the 12-team playoff, we'll see less of that from the 12 teams in the playoff um, that may continue for uh, players outside of the playoff. Um, but yeah, I, I think they need to do something to create a buzz and excitement for these bowl games. And I've even thought like, man, if I'm one of these bowls sitting on the outside of this playoff, do I create 
a little four-team playoff myself um, with those next four teams that didn't make it, teams 13 through 17. Do, do I create a small little four-team playoff? I think that would be super exciting for me. Um, I, I know that's an extra game for those teams as well. Um, but hey, I, I don't think it's a bad idea. Um, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on that. Um, I think that would be exciting. But back to the 12-team to the playoff, I think it's also good because this takes away the threat of the super conferences. I think I was definitely a little bit scared that the Big Ten and the SEC had kind of positioned themselves to take over uh, control of college football and create these two super conferences and then in the future somehow, you know, make all the other conferences irrelevant and make it somewhat of like a, hey, the national championship is only going to be between one of the Big Ten schools and the SEC schools. Um, I, I think there was a threat of that happening. But now with this 12-team playoff, I think that opens it up back up to, um, it lessens the threat of the super conferences. You know, um, now you have an actual criteria, at least for the first six teams, to get into the playoff. It is the highest ranked conference champions. And that is awesome because that includes the ACC. That includes the Big 12. Hooray for the Big 12. It's good for the Big 12. We're not going anywhere. I didn't think we were going anywhere, but this further solidifies that thought in my mind. Um, you've got the Pac-12 champion, Big 10, SEC. I'm missing one and I'm going blank, but you guys get what I'm saying. I think this is good for college football. Takes away from the super conferences. Good for the Big 12. Both Baylor and Oklahoma State get into a 12-team playoff last year. And Baylor, we would have had a first-round bye, um, which would have been insane. And I think, um, if I remember the bracket correctly, we would have likely played Georgia, um, who was, uh, I believe, the fifth seed. Um, so you would imagine that the last year's national champion would at least win their first game and uh, have a Baylor and Georgia rematch um, from the Sugar Bowl in 2019. Um, do I think it devalues the regular season? I'm I'm not so sure because you know we talk about all oh, the same teams get in every single year: Clemson, Ohio State. Uh, Bama, Georgia. Okay, well, if they're getting in every single year, what's the difference with them getting in every single year with a 12-team playoff? There's no difference. This is already happening. So I don't think it devalues the regular season. Also, because I'm just thinking personally for me, I would still have the same level of excitement for all of Baylor's games. You know, I, I still have the same level, level of excitement going to BYU and playing a ranked matchup. I still get the same level of excitement when uh, TCU comes to town for our awesome rivalry that we have. Like, I still have the same level of excitement for those games. And I, I would even say it maybe goes a, a tad higher because now Baylor has a better chance of getting into that college football playoff. I, we've always had the debate of, well, even if Baylor wins the Big 12 and has one or two losses, like last year, we're still worried, sitting sitting on the fence worrying, man, are, is the committee going to put us in? Um, this takes away that. So, like, I think the regular season, at least from my perspective personally for Baylor, it, it makes it as exciting, if not more. And just looking like at all of the other college football games, like I'm, st would still have the same level of excitement as Notre Dame, number five Notre Dame versus number two Ohio State that we had this past weekend. Like that doesn't devalue that game at all for me. I think that's just as exciting with a 12-team playoff. And the last point I want to make here is back to the conference realignment that we have going on. It's it's. It's the Wild West right now. We have no idea how the chips are going to fall. And I think teams and universities will now have to weigh in on what is more important. The money of moving to a bigger conference or 
a better chance at making the college football playoff. I'm thinking of teams like Washington and Oregon. Yeah, uh, three weeks ago, they are, they are begging, begging to get out of the Pac-12. And now I, I think that may have changed a little bit. Now Oregon and Washington, if the Pac-12 champion is going to get in the playoff, they're, they're, they might be thinking, hey, the money isn't all as important to us as making the college football playoff. So now we're going to stick with the Pac-12 and we're going to win this conference and we're going to get in and we're going to see what happens. So it's going to be interesting to see how the conference realignment goes and that that all important decision that these universities have to weigh between the money or between getting into the playoff. And I think it's also interesting to think, you know, what if this had happened two years ago? Would OU and UT still be moving to the SEC? I don't know. Would UCLA and USC be moving to the Big Ten? I don't know. I think it makes those universities make a tougher decision on whether, uh, you know, moving to a different conference. I definitely think it, think it makes it more of a tough decision. Uh, does it change their decision? I'm not sure. Um, we'll never know. You know, we'll never know. But I do think it is interesting to think about like, hey, if there was a 12-team playoff announced two years ago, would these conference realignments be happening um, as much as they are? I just don't know. Um, but it is interesting to think about. Put on your boots, let's all dance. Dave Aranda had a press conference. Let's say howdy and yeehaw. Dave Aranda's going to talk football. Dave's going to talk football. Glad to hear from Aranda on the 12-team playoff. Um, that also opened the door for me to talk about on this podcast and, and bring him into it um, and give you my thoughts. Tell me your thoughts. Reach out to me on Twitter. Tell me your thoughts on the 12-team playoff or how you think we can make these other bowls um, a little bit more exciting and a little bit more um, buzz around them. Let's talk this Baylor Bears versus Albany Great Danes recap on Saturday. Your Baylor, Baylor Bears coming away with a nice 69-10 to 10 nice win over the Great Danes. Um, just kind of my overall feelings of the game. Uh, it went the way I expected it to go, which is win by a lot. And we played hard. We shuffled a bunch of people in. Uh, we had Will Williams in on the second defensive drive of the game. So, I mean, lots of guys got to play. Lots of guys got to make debuts, which is really important to do, I think, at the beginning of the of the year because it's not just the starting 22 plus 10 um, that are working all since January, all since that Sugar Bowl win to, uh, to make this team better. There, there's a lot of other players, walk-ons, etc., whoever, um, young guys that have worked really hard too. And so for them to have a chance to get on the field, show what they got, um, is a nice reward for them. And it was just a fun game. It was a really fun game. And I think the most important thing out of this game, though, is no injuries. No injuries, which was kind of on the top of my list coming out of this game. And now we have our full lineup ready for BYU with the exception of Christian Morgan, who's out with a hamstring. Not sure if he's going to be back, but other than Christian Morgan, you know, he, he didn't even play. So no injuries from the Albany game, which is awesome. And then Gavin Holmes. Gavin Holmes, six-year senior, was just so awesome to see him take that 72-yard punt return for a touchdown. Like, I, I, you can't write it any better for him. He has struggled so much with the injury and just with getting onto the field and for him to get that opportunity and take it to the house and for that, that crowd to be rocking for him um, was just so fun to see. It, it really warmed my heart when that happened because... I know how hard he's been working to get on the field. And then for it to uh, come to fruition like that um, was very exciting to see. Very exciting to see. Switching to the offense. Um, it was a lot more open. A lot more open. Um, I think several times throughout the game, we went five out. 
no running backs, um, which we I, I'm not sure if we ever saw that um, last year. And if we did see it last year, it was probably to allow Bo Hannon to run a QB draw. So the five out formations were new, and we opened it up a lot more. So yes, this is the same offense, same offensive coordinator, same offensive line, but I do think this offense is going to look completely different than what it was last year. Yes, we definitely want to establish the run and ground and pound, but it is going to be opened up a lot more often and a lot more early. And Shapin looked really good. I really liked what I saw from Blake Shapin. He was confident. He was comfortable from the pocket. He read the defense really well, made uh, two to three reads at times, and went through his progressions, and then delivered a ball that was um, quick and accurate. Um, those those deep bombs that he threw, um, the, the first one was a... Uh, a little off, a little un untimed, uh, but hey, that that was his first one of the year, so you know we can overlook that one. But his second one there to Hal Presley was beautiful. But Shapin, um, an excellent game. I think he was 17 of 20. So really good to see him out there. Would hope that he will learn how to slide instead of getting sandwiched between two players, and also got banged up on kind of a dirty play. Um, by the Albany player that he handed the ball off and then rocked Shapin, and he was a little bit shaken up. So I was not happy to see that. Um, not happy at all to see that. Monterey Baldwin is as advertised. I, I can't think of another positional player on the offense that was hyped up more than Monterey Baldwin this offseason. And he came through. I mean, there is no doubt in my mind that he is our best playmaker on offense. Several big plays for us last weekend. A 47-yard touchdown reception, which was our first of the season. And then a 50-yard rushing touchdown to start the second half. Picking up off of that Sugar Bowl amazing uh, jet sweep that he took for a touchdown and just takes a, a, a handoff to the outside on this one and takes it 50 yards uh, for a touchdown. So yes, we have lots of playmakers, but Baldwin, I think, has solidified himself as our number one playmaker on the offense. And he also looked like a pretty reliable option there for Shapin, like on short to intermediate routes. Um, so kind of taking that RJ Sneed role um, that he always had, which was like, man, it's like third and seven and we need someone to go across the middle and just make a, a solid catch and get open. I think that's a role that Baldwin is also going to fill. I was, if you guys remember the, the our first episode, I was a little bit worried about the playmakers at wide receiver. I am much less worried now, much less worried. I know it's against Albany, um, say what you will, but I liked what I saw, and I'm less worried about the wide receivers. I do wish, switching to the O-line here, I do wish they had been a little bit more dominant. Um, I don't know if that's because they knew the opponent we were playing or because maybe we opened up the offense a little bit more earlier, um, but I just felt like our rush, our rush attack to start that game uh, could have been a lot better. Um, the second half was a lot better though. I will say I'm glad that I, that we saw that in the second half, we ended the game with 259 yards rushing. So anytime you get above 250 as a team, that's, that's an ex excellent game. Um, and it's hard to lose, um, rushing for over 250 yards. And speaking of rushing four guys, four guys got significant carries this game. And looking back um, this is, this is how I ranked them uh, by performance against Albany squirrel. I put as number four, just because lack of carries didn't get the ball a lot. So squirrel at four, McWilliams three, two Quaylen Jones and number one, Richard Reese. Um, so quickly here, number three, McWilliams 
for whatever reason, wasn't super impressed with what he did. Maybe because that was the offensive line not dominating in the first quarter, whatever it may be. Maybe because my expectations for him were so high. Uh, but for whatever reason, was not too um, super impressed with McWilliams. And maybe that's because I was so impressed with Quaylen Jones and Richard Reese. Jones just looked really solid, hitting the holes quicker, and uh, I, I think runs a little bit more physical than McWilliams does. And then Richard Reese, man. Richard Reese, watch out. Watch out now. This guy's got the speed, the agility, the vision, the power. I mean, he's got it all. It was like, as soon as that ball hit hit his hands, he was off and, and knew where to go. I mean, he was gone. It was like a little lightning bolt, a little spark, a little sparky spark. So, man, it's going to be hard for us to keep Richard Reese off of the field this year. And defensively, let's talk defense now. I mean, guys, we're, we're, we're going to be elite on defense again. I mean, no doubt. We might be better defensively than we were last year. We were cycling guys in like crazy. I mean, I mentioned Will Williams getting the second defensive drive at Will Linebacker. I think we played like eight defensive linemen and four cornerbacks just in the first half. And Devin Neal looks like an absolute monster at safety. Um, he really reminds me of like Chris Miller um, from the rule era where he was just like coming in off of the screen out of nowhere and then just hitting dudes hard, hitting, hitting dudes real hard. And I remember Devin Neal lighting up uh, their quarterback, uh, I think it was. It may have been someone else, but I remember Neal laying one on one of the Albany guys and the crowd audibly... Uh, reacted to it. So very excited to see Devin Neal on the field. And Walcott, I mean, he looks like the player we need at the start position. Albany ends the game with 89 rushing yards, 45 of those from the quarterback, which brings me to my one level of concern about our defense in this game was the quarterback contain um, was a little weak. Uh, it was not great this game. Uh, I do want to give credit to their quarterback, though. I thought he played an excellent game. I thought their quarterback, given the circumstances of the night, uh, held up really well and made plays for them. I really do. So QB contain is going to be something to watch for this weekend against BYU, um, seeing as it was our weak spot. And Jackson Player. Jackson Player had a great debut, half a sack and one and a half tackles for loss. Him and Apu, they're in the middle. They are going to be a super tough duo to deal with. Jackson Player already coming out and making plays for us. Bryson Jackson had a great strip and a recovery of that strip. We ended the game, though, two sacks, three tackles for loss by the defense. We are used to seeing those numbers probably doubled. Um, so a little bit low on those numbers. I know we weren't doing anything crazy playing base defense, so... Not too concerned there. Just wanted to point out those those numbers were a little bit low, but don't worry. Don't worry. We will get there. And last thing I want to mention here on the defense, we saw Bryson Jackson come in on third and long in passing situations for a defensive tackle. So if Apu was in the game and it became third and long or a passing situation, Bryson Jackson would sub in at uh, for him and we would move to like a passing type defense and only have two defensive linemen on the field. So um, the offense, it's, it, it's very hard to deal with that. You don't know where the rush is coming from. Now we've got five linebackers on the field. So just a, a lot of uh, crazy stuff to mess around with there in passing downs for us. And we all know what this music means. That is right. It is time to award the first oh-so-good player of the game. And you guys know, I do like to look at the stats, but it's more about the player that I think made the biggest impact of the game, and that was Monterey Baldwin. Four receptions, 84 yards, and a receiving touchdown. Two rushes for 46 yards and one touchdown. Lots of high expectations from him, from... from a lot of Baylor people that I've been listening to all offseason, and he is going to be one of our best, if not the best, 
playmakers on this offense this season, and he showed us why against Albany. Your oh-so-good player of the game, Monterey Baldwin. So Bears fans, help me welcome Jerem Jordan, co-host of BYU Sports Nation, Deep Blue executive producer and podcast host, does the BYU TV play-by-play, and voice of the Utah Warriors rugby. That's interesting. Yeah, I, hey, not a lot of people know rugby. So, uh, yeah, there's a couple franchises in uh, in Houston and Austin and Dallas. So three of the 13 teams in Major League Rugby uh, are in Texas. So there you go. Well, all right. There you have it. Um, do people call you JJ? So, uh, not really. But if they do, I would answer that. Jerome, I would answer that. Jerem, my name's in the Book of Mormon, so it's very on brand uh, for BYU. And but Travis, thanks for having me on. First off. We are so stoked to be going to the Big 12. Like, I cannot express how excited BYU is to join the Big 12. Not only do we feel uh, an affiliation with everyone already, in all of the conference realignment stuff, we are like, yeah, Pac-12, we're better than, you know what I mean? Like, our TV contract's going to be bigger than yours. Like, <laughs> all this measuring going on, you know what I mean? Yes. It's It's been, because it, essentially for BYU, it's BYU versus Utah in that conversation. Okay, yeah, yeah. But, um, but it's like, hey, like, I, I did a women's volleyball match last week, BYU and Cincinnati. And I was like, as BYU welcomes Big 12 homie Cincinnati. Yes. Like, we are so excited. Baylor fans put a massive positive impression on BYU last year, by the way. Oh, All the fans who went to that game said Baylor was first class and everything. So we're, we're stoked. Listen, we know it won't last forever. <laughs> like, it, there will be won't. animosity randomly. It'll get sure. oddly religious at times. Like. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it's going to get weird. The Mormon pioneers came across the plains. I have this theory, Mormon settlement theory is what I call it, where they would they would show up in a place. At first, the people were very sympathetic to the plight where they got kicked out. Then they would dominate the resources. They would dominate the poles of political stuff. And then they'd get annoyed. So my hope is that we can we can grow together and have an amazing experience. But I'm not naive to think that we might not annoy a few fan bases here and there when we just show up at in Lubbock and they're like, why are there so many of you? They didn't come from Utah. They're all over the place. Yes. Yes. Show up from Utah, which some of the, Oh, they travel well. Yes. But like BYU fans are all over the country. It's obviously it's unique tied to the church. Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. But anyway, we're stoked to be in the big 12 could not be more excited. And honestly, I've always wanted BYU to be in the pac 12 for a long time. But as I looked at sort of the political space that BYU as a red state is in with mostly like all red states. Yep. I think it just, I think it's a better fit. I it's, think it's, I think it's a better fit. It's a fantastic fit. I'm, I like couldn't agree with more with everything you just said. And that was actually my first question for you was <laughs> like, what is the fan reaction been to joining the big 12? And like, that's, that's awesome to hear. I, I'm glad to hear that bears fans made it fun for you guys even um, coming in the to Waco worst loss of the year honestly like yeah. that was the only game where BYU kind of got dominated 309 rushing yards allowed it's like geez their defense is on skates yeah and then we saw Jerry Bo, uh, excuse me Gary Bohannon last weekend it's like hello Gary <laughs> it's uh, a, we we remember you got we, a different green and gold on but we remember you, you only had to throw one touchdown pass because <laughs> Abram Smith ran all over us like it was yeah, it was it was uh, it was a good experience. I didn't get to go to the game, but I'm sure it was amazing. I, I want to see you know the stadium on the Bradley River. I want to see everything. Um, I want to see the what's the pregame run called? Uh, that good old Baylor line. The Baylor line. Like I want to see it in person one day. You know. I'll, by the way, RG three on the call again, like last year on this game in Provo. So we're Man. excited. Did not know that little nugget. That's that's nice to hear. That's that's going to be fun. And um, he's great. He he is man. I I really enjoy him. I really enjoy him, and most people do as well. So I think he's doing great. I enjoy him. And b- back to um, what you were saying about BYU fans traveling well. That is probably my first impression of when when we played in Waco was like there are a lot of BYU fans here, and they are very loud. Like there there were times when the BYU fans were much louder 
than the Baylor fans. And I was like, let me okay, tell you why this is going to be fun. Let me tell you about the volume. It's not just that there are a lot of BYU fans. It's that in church, we are pretty quiet. Like we'll okay. stay. So where we get it out is that football game. <laughs> like it's just like we're, not, we're not super <laughs> boisterous and animated. I wish we were more in church. We're like pretty like low key, like reverent, you know, we're like Shh, to all the like bunch of kids, you know, it's a family atmosphere. It's like a little football game. Let it out, baby. Let it, <laughs> I love it. out. Yeah. I love which it. Is, which is awesome. And, and again, shout out to all the Baylor fans who, even in like the worst loss of the year, in terms of like, ah, BYU didn't even have a chance in that one. Um, much, I think if they play that game 10 times, BYU maybe wins one. Like, um, <laughs> still had a positive impression, which says a lot. Well, good, good. That, that That's glad to hear. And I know Bears fans are, are excited to get up to, uh, to Provo. I know hopefully in the future, I'm going to be able to make a game up there as well. It, it looks like a fun Absolutely. place to be Hit and just up. like beautiful, we'll beautiful. Awesome, awesome. Um, so, we talked a little bit about the uh, 12 team playoff at the beginning of this episode. And I just wanted to get your thoughts. Like, is that, is that a good thing for BYU? Do you think the 12 team playoff or, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I want to see a BYU team go undefeated or one loss. That's what it feels like you're going to need to do to get in. I I mean, maybe a two loss team, but it just feels like the big 10 and SEC are going to gobble up a ton of those six at large bids. Um, You know, honestly, it feels like PAC 12 and big 12 and, and ACC and the uh, other G5 team, like they have an auto bid. It's like, it's going to be hard. And, and BYU is going to embark on something it's never done, which is play 10 plus 10 to 11 P5s a year. And this is new in independence. BYU has ramped it up on the schedule. In fact, I complained a, a couple of years on our daily show, BYU Sports Nation about like, what's the point of this as an independent? Like, why are we scheduling multiple losses to where we're not in the New Year's Six conversation? Why don't we, I'm not saying have a Boise State schedule, but like go more that direction than super hard. And BYU uh, had chosen to appease ESPN with this contract. It's fan base with home games. Like I got the, that, but I was like, isn't the point to win as many games as you can not show how we should, we should celebrate the schedule more than the results. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it makes total sense. But, but now that BYU got like, when BYU got that invite, it was like, oh, BYU had been ramping up. Like this all was worth it yeah. because now like this year, BYU is only playing five P5s, but four of them are ranked right now. You got to have a crazy hard schedule. It's hard. I would dare, I would dare say it's, it's uh, you know, it's a power five like schedule because BYU is so. playing Boise state as well. Granted Boise state got worked by Oregon state, but still playing on the blue up there is tough and whatnot. So yeah, it's, it's uh it's a challenge, but listen, it's tougher when every week is one of those games with the exception of Kansas, but even Kansas beat Texas. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like every week and then basketball. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we're just going to try and go 500. Like if we go 500, we're ecstatic. Cause guess what? Iowa state, weren't they like 500 went to the sweet 16. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so different. And then in yeah. other sports, BYU is going to compete right away in women's volleyball. And this is, I, this is a lot of stuff I participated in women's soccer. BYU might be the best team right away in there cross country. BYU is going to win that golf. They're going to be behind Oklahoma state, but they're going to be right up there. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. I agree. I'm, I'm so excited to get you guys into the conference and yeah, I, I think that's kind of what I was thinking too, in regards to the football team. Like you guys have a really tough schedule. And like, that's really going to ramp you guys up to when you, when you do come to the big 12 and you've got a power five every single week. And like you said, yeah, Kansas is the bottom feeder of the conference, but any given Saturday, they can show up and beat you. They yep, can show up and beat you. So I'm excited um, for that. Good. You're excited to be- lose to Kansas. The beaten part. Oh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But like Kansas, like literally every week is going to be a challenge. And honestly, it, as it pertains to the playoff, like, do I see uh, BYU in the playoff at some point? It's tough to think that BYU could do something they haven't done up to now. Someone from the athletic, Matt Brown, did a simulation of all the BCS and college football playoff mm-hmm. rankings who would have gone to a 12-team playoff given the six auto bids and the six at large. BYU would not have been in one time. He went to 98. Even, with, if you, if even you two gone, years ago with Zach Wilson? Well, 
I think that Costa loss. Well, well, they would no, they would not have qualified. Interesting. He's talking technically, like, okay, I'm picking the champ for the six bids, and then the at large. Who's left? That Costa loss killed BYU. Really? They, you know, in the end, taking a game on Wednesday turned out to be tough, right? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Hey, we're going to West Virginia on a Thursday night this year. So, yeah, yeah probably going to feel that pain, too. If you were told you were going on Monday, that'd be different. <laughs> <laughs> much. Wait, we're much doing what? <laughs> we're choosing to do this? Yeah, no, that, that was crazy. I, I have a hard well. time thinking that BYU is going to do that at some point. I would love for that to happen. I'm kind of a realist on that show where I go, wait a minute. We joke we have the blue goggles on. Oh, yeah, we're totally going undefeated. I'm like, yeah. no, we're not. <laughs> we've done it once and the schedule wasn't hard in 84 we didn't play anybody that was good wait you played number three pit they were three seven and one that year you played michigan in the ball game they were six and six it's like no one was that good that's why you won all the games sometimes you need that like the what did utah need to win the pac-12 they needed everyone else to kind of stink yeah Oregon and washington like that's the truth hey, congrats to utah right. for winning the pac-12 you walked through that door but that door was a little more wide open for sure for sure agreed um and now BYU, you guys have, I think, the highest percent of returning production in the nation. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So, like, what are what are the expectations surrounding BYU this season? By the way, last year we had the least amount, and and still went ten and three, which was incredible. Interesting. Six and one versus P fives, but it, it's a group that in twenty eighteen and nineteen were were freshmen and sophomores. Um, and, I, and I've said and, and took their licks, went seven and six, seven and six, but one at Wisconsin when they were number six, uh, one at Tennessee beat USC at home. This is a the group that showed some promise, but didn't beat Northern Illinois at home or Hawaii in a bowl game, like some inexperience. Even this group last year, pretty banged up, lost a UAB in the bowl game. It was like, oh, 11 and two was sitting right there. But 10 and three, people were ecstatic over that because it was way tougher. So this year, you have all the makings of a special season. You really do. BYU kept its coordinators, Aaron Roderick, the guy that replaced Jeff Grimes. We know Jeff well, right? And Eric Mateos. Uh, Elias Tuiaki's back as the defensive coordinator. You bring back a senior starting quarterback. Always a good thing. Always. Jaron Hall, who last year had a tremendous season. Crazy efficient, only threw five picks and had 20 touchdowns, not to mention the run threat. And he played several games with broken uh, ribs. So the dude's tough. Um, and then you return an offensive line that has two projected NFL picks on it and left tackle break Fre- Blake Freeland and guard Clark Barrington, not to mention right tackle Kingsley Suamataia from Oregon, five-star kid, one of the f- first five stars BYU's ever gotten, a uh, kid here from Utah who's going to be picked probably in a year. So we feel like there's three or four dudes on that line. Defensively, BYU's got some really talented senior linebackers back, a, a talented secondary. Uh, a good running back in Christopher Brooks, who transferred from Cal, grad transfer, one and done. He had 135 and a touchdown on Saturday. At South I liked Florida. him, so, yeah. Puka Nakua is a guy that's an NFL receiver, in my opinion, at least at least undrafted, who, who makes a practice squad type of guy, if not better. He had a 75-yard touchdown on the first play on a jet sweep. Like, it was awesome. He hurt his ankle. Um, so TBD on what's going on with him. But yeah. the expectations are really high. They're really high. Like, that BYU uh, at least wins two of its really tough four. Baylor, uh, Arkansas, Oregon, Notre Dame. The hope is BYU splits with that. I think you can. I, th- I think you for sure can because, like, if I'm being honest, I think this game is is a toss-up. Like, really I think yeah. I think whoever wins this, it catapults, like, their season to kind of, like, another level. I really do. And, like, this is going to sound weird, but – I'm like, yes, this game is super important um, for me personally, just for my expect, like, um, sorry, I'm going to walk that back. It is not as important to me as you would think, because my expectations for the season is just to win the big 12. So if Baylor comes in and loses to BYU, yeah, I'm going to be sad. And yeah, like I want to win, of course. But like at the end of the day, um, it doesn't hurt what my expectations are or kind of what all Baylor fan expectations are as winning the big 12. So, but like this, I think it's the best game of the weekend. Like by far, I think they should have gone to this game. Yes. I was just about to say that game day should be at BYU. Texas, mighty Texas. It's yeah, we we won't get into that, but (laughs) 
I'm, I think we're thinking the same thing. I think we're say, thinking the same thing. Um, and now I did not get to see much of the USF game. Um, got delayed. That's all right. Most people didn't. It was delayed by two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. So um, was already at, at McLean for the Baylor game. But like, were you guys surprised at all by the outcome of that game? And if so, what surprised you the most? I was surprised South Florida scored 21 points. Um, that I, okay. I, I just didn't think South Florida was going to be that good. They returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown to start the second half. Uh, Brian uh, uh, Batty is a consensus All-American kickoff returner. The other, the other score they had was a long kickoff return and a 15-yard uh, late hit penalty added on, and then they scored. So you take those two away, it's just seven. BYU was up, I think, 38 nothing in the in the third quarter or three yeah um so yeah surprises um yeah that that BYU jumped out so quickly four touchdowns for or three touchdowns first three possessions there was a pick six in there as well you just jumped out in front and cruised um and then after that it was like all right let's just not get hurt and let's uh let's let's not show too much and let's (laughs) let's play Baylor yes because this is yes for BYU this is this is huge because the hope is that BYU can kind of get in that 10 and two range and there's no conference context. Like you has got to defend its home turf against Baylor and Arkansas. If BYU does that and it goes to Oregon next week and loses, which, Hey, everyone's going to look bad against Georgia, but it's kind of like, Oh, is, is that game winnable for BYU? Like it feels maybe. 100%. And then Notre Dame and Vegas, that's going to be a really hard game. Um, Notre Dame's good. They're always at least really good to great. Right. Um, do they win the big games? No, but I just want BYU <laughs> to get in a big game. You know what I mean? Like there are plenty like, of them this year. We don't have touchdown Jimmer. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> one day maybe, but like we don't have Rudy, you know, we don't have the four horses, but um, this game matters a lot to BYU. I'm getting a lot of like 83, 84 vibes here. I don't know if you know the history here. So 83 Steve Young senior year, he had just gone eight and four and was just whatever. Then they start 83. They go, they go to Baylor. They go to Waco. They lose 40-36. They lose late. Baylor beats them. BYU wins the next 11 and finishes seventh in the country, 11-1. and one. That's Steve Young senior, second in the country. Mike Rozier from Nebraska wins the Heisman. It's like, oh, my gosh, what an amazing season. But Steve Young freaking hates that loss to Baylor. <laughs> like, we've talked to him about it. He's like, oh, the Baylor loss. Don't bring that up. The next year, BYU starts unranked. After being number seven, because they replaced Robbie Bosco and some some picks, that team wins the national championship. Baylor comes in week two to Provo. BYU blows them out 47-13. I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout, but what I'm saying is coming back to Provo, maybe there's a difference. Maybe home field in a, in a tight game and, and a year uh, you know later in a healthy Jaron Hall this time, he had some pretty banged up ribs in that game. Maybe that's the difference. I don't know. Baylor is so good. Like, I don't think Baylor is uh, – I don't think that was a one-off last year. I think this is the beginning of something where it's like the same Oklahoma's league anymore. Like, And and trust me, Cincinnati is going to come in and, and challenge right away. Like they're good. Oklahoma State, good every year. Like there's a lot of good programs in there. So this is a huge game. For BYU to, to aspire to 10-2, and two, you've got to win this game. Yeah. Cause, yeah. And if you do, you go to Oregon, and that's a Fox – like 130 kick. Um, that's a big time. That's a big time game. Uh, so we'll see what happens, man. Like BYU's up for this game for sure because of what happened last year. And it's like, all right, let's show well against the big 12 and, and show them what we're all about the year before. Yeah. I feel like there's so many like sub headlines to this game, future big 12 opponents, uh, Mateos and Grimes coming back to BYU. You've Love got the guys. Mormons versus the Baptists. Like there's so <laughs> many different storylines you can attack for this game. So like very exciting. Um, and you mentioned names earlier, like Jaron Hall, Gunnar Romney and Puka. Yep. And Puka and they, them three, like destroyed us last year. It felt like any ball that was thrown to Puka, he came down with. Five for um, 168 and two touchdowns. Yeah. Because Baylor said Tyler Algier is not going to beat us. Tyler Algier, Which he didn't. Up, like, like Abram Smith, runs for 1,600. And uh, that's a BYU single season record, by the way. I, I don't know if that was for Baylor. It if was. Not. Abram did okay. for Baylor. Yes, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Tyler runs for like 23 touchdowns. It's just the most amazing uh, season rushing. And be, that beat out 01 Luke Staley, who won the Doak Walker. Like, oh, man. A white running back from BYU won the Doak. <laughs> like, what? 
like just crazy. Like, what is this, Stanford? You know, uh, Christian McCaffrey? You know, it was crazy. Baylor shut down the run game, and BYU didn't move the ball very well. They did have success with Puka, but it was it played into sort of Bel- Bill Belichick, like, hey, we're going to take away your best thing. BYU's best thing was its O-line, which, yeah. by the way, PFF came out with top 10 offensive lines last week. Baylor and BYU in the top 10. Does not so shock like, me. This is a this is a grinder game. Like this isn't a chuck it down the field and whoever can have the explosive. But this is a okay. And on third and two, are you getting a stop or not? Like this I agree. is going to be the Big 12 is known for like spread and and high scoring. This, this may be like a mid twenties uh, kind of grinded out game. Which would be shocked. Which Wouldn't BYU shocked. and Baylor are built for. I think. Yeah, absolutely. The physicality of that. And so that's. I would say that's kind of my biggest worry coming into this game is that home field advantage. Yes. From like a crowd noise perspective, but also the altitude. Um, Does that seem to give teams um, a negative effect that come and play in, in BYU in Provo in the second half? Yes. Yeah. Like first half, no big deal. Watching at the end of the third quarter, fourth quarter. And then that's what I'm worried. The other thing too, is it's, it's late to the body clock, right? 915 uh start for for Baylor. Yeah, Baylor, I'm gonna need like right? a seven o'clock coffee, Central. man. Right? Like so, literally, I'm calling a soccer game for BYU at six, and then I'm racing over there. <laughs> and then it's a late night, man. Like if oh, yeah. it's 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 gonna be you know 1230 uh central time to, to the Baylor's players, but like you'd think like, oh, these guys are up, like it's not a big deal there in college, like. In the fourth quarter, I think there's a little bit there, and and BYU fan, it's a season opener. Uh, they're gonna be they're gonna be super up for this game, and we're excited to have uh, Siaki Ika back in town. Solid yeah. guy, like he's he's one that like oh that guy got away. Like he was here. <laughs> yeah. At least he didn't go to Utah. Is kind of what we're saying. Yeah, at least yeah, he yeah. didn't go to Utah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I'll tell you what, we're we're sure as heck happy to have him. Um, and do you do you have an injury update on Romney or Nakua at all, or is that still just TBD? It's still TBD, but uh, Gunner is more serious. Like like he okay. he had a more serious injury, um, you know, that kind of affected uh, his stomach. Uh, he kind of landed on a ball in fall camp, um, and then hmm. so TBD whether he's going to play. But Puka okay. Nakua obviously hurt his ankle against South Florida on a jet sweep, um, and and he says he's fine. But he, he's always smiling and having a good time. So, by the way, puka in Samoan means chubby. So, like, when he was younger, he was a little bigger. He's not big now, but his, uh, it's, it's chubby. You know, it's funny. Oh, that's a good – that's a good – you're giving me all types of nuggets, man. I love it. I got it. you, man. I love it, man. I love it. Um, what do you expect to see from BYU offensively against Baylor? They're going to try and establish the run with Christopher Brooks. Um, but but what will be exciting is uh, Aaron Roderick is, to me, one of the best play callers in the country. He's he's done, obviously, with Zach Wilson. You go from three-star to second pick. That's pretty awesome. Local kid, of course. Um, and then Jaron Hall is a local guy as well, who actually lived five minutes away from where I currently live. Uh, and and uh, Jaron Hall is a guy who can run. He wants to avoid getting hurt because um, that's kind of been his MO the last couple of years, 2019, he got hurt and 2021, he, he got hurt a little bit is he's a tough cookie, but they want to, the BYU completed past to 12 different receivers last week mm. and Gunnar Romney didn't play in the game, but they just spread the ball around. And then Christopher Brooks, they feel pretty confident in him behind that offensive line. And, and BYU is pretty creative. Like the jet sweep is a thing. And I know that at, uh, Jeff Grimes uses that from his time at LSU yes. where they use it a lot. Yes. And obviously Jeff calling plays at BYU. So midway through 2019, BYU was two and four and hosting 14th ranked Boise state that week, BYU made a switch where they said, okay, Aaron is going to call the plays. Now he was the quarterback coach and Jeff, you're going to be on the field with the offensive line. We're just going to mix this up. And that was, that was obviously a thing that was tough for Jeff, but that changed the season. BYU finished that year five and two, and then Jeff got the Baylor job. And then, you know, everything explodes with Aaron yeah. Roderick and Zach Wilson in last year. Yeah. But Jeff has taken, obviously, the, the primary play, play caller and OC at Baylor to another level. Like, they win the Big 12. They're a physical and explosive offense. And even when you have to go to Blake Shapin at the end of the year, you still win the Big 12. By a foot, but you win the less, Big 12, right? Less than a foot. Less like, than a foot. Like, 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> and by the way, in that situation, BYU was rooting hard for Oklahoma State because BYU was sitting there on the edge oh, trying to yeah. get a New Year's six at large. And the best case scenario was that uh, you know Baylor would lose. That, that Baylor lose. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. We, I'm so sorry. Oklahoma State got stopped. We were like, ah, the New Year's six is close. <laughs> But that's okay. That's okay. So we we got to ruin two Big Twelve teams. <laughs> then, uh, like, yeah, that's <laughs> it's all good. Hey, you just win. You don't worry about appeasing everybody else. You know? All right. Same same question about the defense. Um, what do you expect from the BYU defense against against Baylor this year? Okay, people are BYU fans are really restless with the defense. Like they're like, we need more sacks. And what BYU traditionally does is more of a bend don't break. The defensive line at BYU has talent to do that, but what but what they traditionally do is they're going to plug up the holes and let the linebackers make plays. And they have some really good like NFL type guys and Peyton Wilgar and Ben Bywater and Keenan Peely coming off an ACL. They and Max Tooley had a pick six. Those four guys they really like athleticism. They can line up with the tight ends. They can come and make a play when the guard pulls. Like they they're good that way the secondary uh, and the the corners for BYU and maybe the best set of corners BYU's maybe ever had maybe we'll see this year but they really like uh D'Angelo Mandel and uh Gabe Judy Lally of Vanderbilt transfer and others and then on the back end BYU BYU feels like nothing's gonna get past them so I but ultimately this game to me is is Baylor gonna establish the run in the same way that it did last year because if so you have no shot like BYU had no shot last year on skates, just chunk plays, third downs. It was it was rough. So BYU is. Uh, I'm interested to see if they they load the box a little bit and make uh, Shapen beat them down the field. But BYU's not going to just put people on islands and and risk that way. BYU does yeah. not like the university's approach to life <laughs> and the church. It's not super risky. It's pretty conservative. Like you'll see a lot of drop uh, drop eight zone. Where it's like, all right, Blake Shapin, make a play. Yeah. BYU, yeah. BYU did this with a young Keaton Slovis at USC. They did it with a young Jordan Love at Utah State, and BYU won those games. Um, but but Blake's a good, he's he's a baller, man, but he is young, so it almost fits into the small of like, all right, if it's predictable, you may see BYU drop eight. And BYU fans hate it when you say drop eight. They're like, ah, but I'm like, stop, it's... it works. Like I asked Jaron Hall, what would you rather go against? A blitz? Or a drop eight. He goes, oh, blitz, 100%. I know where I'm going with the Makes ball. Makes sense. Where are they blitz? Yes. Like, everyone thinks this is NFL blitz. <laughs> and you're just going at it. It's like, <laughs> no, it's way more nuanced. And you don't know more than the defensive coordinator last two years. Okay? Stop it. 100%. 100%. Um, I think that that is also a worry of mine is Baylor not establishing that run early. Because... We didn't against Albany. We didn't. I watched it. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that. It surprised me too. Uh, and a lot of other bands. And it worked out. It, we, <laughs> we got to 259 total rushing yards, so it's okay. But yes. to not see it from the get-go was a bit concerning. And now we're coming up into the altitude with a raucous crowd. Like, yeah, that worries me for sure. And then to your point about dropping eight, like, I don't think that's a bad idea at all because, yeah, this is going to be Shapin's fifth start. How many road it, starts does he have, by the way? True road starts. First one? I th I think this is – Kansas neutral, State. Kansas State, right I think. The, at Kansas State? I think at Kansas State, if I'm remembering correctly. So, one, maybe zero, but doesn't have a lot of them. Okay, so – and he is a gunslinger. Like, he thinks – yeah, yeah, yeah. Warm the hands up. No, but uh, he's a gunslinger, man. So, like, he, he thinks he can make every throw, and that can be a detriment to him, but it can also be, like, yes, amazing throw. Yep. No one yep. else can make that, you know. So, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what Shapin comes out and does. Does the true road start affect him in any way? Um, I think it will if we can't establish the, the, the running game. That's going to worry me. Um, yeah, I, it's going to be a battle. It is going to be a, a fourth quarter battle down to the last possession. Um, that's what I'm expecting. What do you 
expect out of this game this weekend? What gives BYU the edge this weekend? And what gives Baylor the edge this weekend? I think the confidence Baylor has from last year is an edge where it's like, okay, we dominated these guys in the run game. Let's do it again. Uh, and, and for BYU, I think um, they've sat on that loss all offseason and been like, that's the one where we got dominated versus Boise State. BYU turned it over like four times, coughed it up in the red zone, kickoffs, that kind of thing. UAB was like, we were banged up, but we didn't take it seriously enough because they thought they may have a New Year's Six chance. Mm-hmm. So Baylor messed BYU up twice, as you mentioned. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do think altitude has an impact, although I'm not sure it's the biggest impact. But I, the Big 12 angle, BYU is not saying, like, we're excited to be in the Big 12 next year. They're just, like, this year they've made, like, the official T-shirt for the fans. It's like it's like a, that. like a band tour, kind of the, like the last ride of independence. I like, like that. That's, that's the deal. Because it's like year 12. We're like, okay, we're done with this. Like, let's get married <laughs> and uh, live in, like, a real house, you know, and be at the in-laws, a.k.a. Kansas State in November or whatever. Like, it's going to be it's going to be awesome. So. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is whoever establishes the run. And then, of course, turnovers play a big role. BYU only turned it over 12 times all time last year, like the whole season. It was that's, – that's amazing. When you have a good run game and you take care of the ball, you win. That's you win what we lot. did last so, year. That's like 100% what we did last year. We just didn't turn it over. We didn't have a lot of explosive plays, but we ran it down your throat and we didn't turn it over and worked out for us. That works. Like that omission – you don't have to do something great always. Sometimes just don't do something bad. Like, you know what I mean? That's like, that's like my uh, strategy whenever I play tennis is like, I'm just no going to land there. it in your side and you make the mistakes. Yes. Ping pong, tennis. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm all not hitting it off the table. I'm no, not hitting no, no, no. Um, well, hey, I will let you get out of here. If you want to give us a score prediction, game prediction, who wins? If you don't, no big deal. No pressure. Any last thoughts uh, before we let you out of here? Let's go. Let's go. BYU 35-31. Comes down to the wire. BYU goes ahead with about six minutes left. Baylor marches down. There's a fourth down at about the 40. Let's just go. Let's just go fourth and six. And there's an incomplete pass that looks like pass interference, but isn't called. Oh, how, controversy. How specific, how specific do you want? That's that's <laughs> way more specific than that's, what I was expecting, but I love it. I yeah, love it. Watch I just that. had a vision, and uh, there it was. <laughs> well, yeah, that that would not shock me at all if that happens. Like I said, I think it's going to be right down to the last play of the game, last drive of the game. It's going to be just a grind of a game. Very excited to see it. Very excited about – We need future. it more than you guys, okay? So just cough it up. <laughs> we need, you guys have what's called a league. We don't yeah, know, but – We don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> you will. You will soon. But, like, no, we, we need this game to get in the playoff, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're the, not guaranteed a spot yet as conference Oh, you guys champions. are like, now that, you won, now that you won a power five, you're like, oh, now we're going to play. Well, I mean, I like I mean we're just like, let's win 10 games. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I, I think, you know, the goal for us, win the Big 12, and anything after that's a bonus. So, um, well, hey, Jerem, I had a fantastic time. You were great. We're excited to have you guys in the Big 12. We're excited to – to come up to Provo and 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 watch a great game. So uh, thanks for joining us. Travis, thanks for the time. Best of luck to everybody at Baylor. And now the bare necessities. Big game this weekend for the Baylor Bears. So here are the Bear necessities. Establish the run early. This is something that we struggled with with Albany on the weekend. I think it was the one weak point. If you could say there was a weak point of the offense this past weekend. And this is going to be a grinder game. These guys have a lot of returning production. They've mentioned that the reason they thought they lost last year was because they got out-physicaled. So that is going to be number one on BYU's list this year is to out-physical us. So we've got to establish the run early. Second bare necessity is on defense. Quarterback contain. Jaron Hall can get 
out of the pocket and he can beat you with his legs. We did not do well containing the quarterback this past weekend. Like there was one uh, weakness on the offense, like I said, I think the one weakness on defense was that quarterback contained. If we let him get out of the pocket, we let him make plays, he's going to extend drives, he's going to get that crowd of 65,000 Mormons uh, behind him, jacked up, screaming. So QB contain, extremely important this weekend. Game prediction. Yes, what is your game prediction? I will tell you right now. Game prediction for the weekend. I think this is going to be a battle from the very first snap of the game. It is going to be a grind. It is going to be physical. And this is going to come down to the final drive of the game. Whoever's on offense, going to need to score. Whoever's on defense, going to need to stop them. I think this game ends up being in the mid to high 20s. And I do think that Baylor has the depth and the size to out-physical BYU and wear them down into the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, and that gives us the edge, whether on offense or on defense, and Bears win 28-24. to If you're still with me, thank you for bearing with me. It's been a full episode. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. But now it is time to wrap up with some big 12 picks. Last year, I went 22 and 18 on the year, so above 500. But I'm going to see if I can take that to the next level this season. So here we go. Week two, big 12 picks. I didn't do last week because... Like everyone was playing FCS teams and I was like, man, it's just, uh, it's kind of a wash. So starting with week two here, number nine, Baylor Bears heading to number 21, Brigham Young University, BYU minus three and a half. And I'm taking Baylor. I think Baylor's going to win straight up. Number one, Bama visiting the Longhorns in Austin, Bama, minus 20 points. I'm taking Bama. I think they're going to win by more than 30, actually. Missouri visiting Kansas State, an old Big 12 uh, matchup here. Kansas State, minus 8. I think they do that. I think they cover that, so I've got Kansas State, minus 8. Number 25, Houston, visiting Texas Tech in Lubbock, uh, this is one I've got circled this weekend. Really excited to see uh, what both of these teams look like going head-to-head. Um, new Big 12 opponents. Um, so we've got BU, BYU, new Big 12 opponents, Houston and Texas Tech. Texas Tech minus three, uh, which is interesting to me. So I'm going to take Houston with the points. Iowa State and Iowa, the classic game they always play every single year. Iowa didn't even score a touchdown uh, in their first week, and they are minus three and a half. They are favored in this game. So give me Iowa State plus the points. Um, You know, I wonder if Iowa can even score three and a half points. Kansas visits West Virginia. Another one I'm interested to watch. West Virginia minus 13. That is a lot of points to give Kansas. I think they're a lot better this year. So I'm taking Kansas with the points. Kent State. Visiting number seven, OU. OU minus 32 and a half points. I'm taking OU. Arizona State visiting Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State minus 11. Gonna take Oklahoma State here as well. And then Tarleton at TCU. I didn't find a line for this yet. Um, so I guess, you know, I'm not gonna pick that one. I think TCU is gonna win by a lot. So there we go. Big 12 picks, week two. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you to Jerem for joining us. Gave us some great insight and little sweet little nuggets about BYU football. Um, Was very happy to have him on and uh, it it is much appreciated, Jerem. So if you're listening, thank you once again. Bears fans, this is one that I've circled on the calendar ever since we got the schedule. Um, This is going to be a huge game, an absolutely huge game. 
Um, if you are one that is expecting to get to the college football playoff, this one weighs a lot, you know, on your mind. For me, um, not as important. Doesn't doesn't hurt our chances at winning the Big 12. Um, that I think is the ultimate goal, at least for me. But nevertheless, super excited for this game. It's a huge game. I think it's the best game um, from the slate of games this weekend. So if you're heading up to Provo, travel safe, and uh, if not, get your evening coffees ready. I know I'm gonna need one right about like 7 p.m. just to stay up for this game. And that's all I've got for you today, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Travis Corley, saying stay safe and sick and bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley, in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.